This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni. Today, we're going to talk about doubt. Doubt. What happens when we don't believe what we're saying we want to believe? Well, we want to believe it. We try to believe it. But there's something in there that just snags. Yeah. Well, the, the whole notion in the New Thought philosophy is it's done unto you as you believe, you know, and that shows up in scripture in a bunch of places because it's not true because we said it or because Jesus said it. It's true because it's true. Our life is an outpicturing of whatever it is that we believe. And if I say I believe something, but I actually believe something different, it doesn't matter whether I'm aware of what I believe or if it's a hidden belief or if it's a false belief or it's a, if it's something that came out of historical consciousness that I never even knew that I was exposed to that I believe that's the way my life is going to be created. So what happens is when I'm claiming something new and wonderful, uh, let's pick a topic. Uh, you like doing money. So if I claim I am prosperous, but I know historically that I have not been prosperous, that every time I have some money, I blow it. Then I'm, cl- I'm trying to claim that I'm prosperous, but I have this belief that I can't because that's not my pattern or that's not the pattern that my family had, or that's not the pattern that my neighborhood had, or it's not going to be okay with my friends if I wind up being prosperous. So I say I'm prosperous and I believe that I am struggling. And what, what comes into my life is the result of my belief, which is in struggle. And it's, it's one of those little hidden things in your belief system that you have to kind of take your time to backtrack and see what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, what's causing it. That could take some time, especially if uh, you don't know that that's exactly what you're tra- you need to do. Yeah, there are a couple of really helpful techniques that we can use to determine what it is that we believe. Because if our life is an expression of our belief, then to find out what we believe, what we do is look at our life. Because our life is a topographical map, life-size topographical map of our belief system. And if I find myself always down in the bottom of this valley, then that's in my belief system. And my belief system has me down in the bottom of that valley. If I want to move out of that valley, then I have to let go of those beliefs and replace them with something different. Yeah. When I, when I first realized that, and I think it happened probably with the first class I took with you, or maybe during the um, practical prayer workshop we did, mm-hmm. 
and I bumped into belief systems and, you know, I looked at it and I understand uh, subconsciousness and all of that and, and how that works. But this is even deeper than that because it's going in there and finding out what's in there. And I use the word sobering, like this is a sobering exercise. First of all, it's a sobering realization that you just can't decide to think differently. You can decide to think differently, but it doesn't mean that the, that it kicks in as a lifestyle or as a part of your, you know, your discipline. You have to say, wait a minute, this is how I, what I need to change in order for this to change, as you say, the topographical view of my life. Yeah. Well, Ernest Holmes said, change your thinking, change your life, which is a fabulous saying. It's pithy. It's concise. It tells exactly what we're going to do. But the fact of the matter is we can't change our thinking. What we can do is unearth our old beliefs, move those out of the way, and make room for some different thoughts. So we're not going to take the thinking that we've been doing and change it to new thinking. We actually have to do some excavation so that we can install new thinking. It still makes a really nice pithy saying. And, you know, that's, that's one of the first things that caught my attention with new thought, because I do, I do wholeheartedly believe in changing your thoughts and changing your life. It's just that when you, you can change your thinking, I, I believe that, but there's some work done, you know, it's not, it's not automatic, you know, you can't just flip a switch, but I think it's like a decision that you make that I want to think differently and what do I have to do to make this be a, a consistent way of my new thought life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I say we can't change our thinking, we obviously we can change our thinking, but it's not as easy as just saying, Oh, these are my thoughts. I'm going to have different thoughts instead. Mm -hmm. There's some structural work that we get to do because especially for the stuff that's really deep down, we don't know what we believe. We don't know where it came from. We don't know why it's operational in our lives. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's, it's more work than you think sometimes. And then, well, it's finding that starting point. When did this happen for me? Because I'm thinking about something that was uh, in my belief system that was preventing me from doing some stuff. And I thought, okay, let me figure out where this is. Why do I have a poverty mentality? You know, which is a, a tiny bit of a stretch, but let's just use that term. And I went back and back. And of course, it's easy to talk about your your lineage, you know, and, and history mm -hmm. and, and all of that. But I said, eh, you know, it's got to be something more. And as I continue to unravel, you know, and I'm just like detailed anyway. So I just pick, pick, pick until I find it. And I remember having a conversation with my father, who was a realtor. And I told him that I wanted this house, you know, and I was, I was good and grown and, you know, in, out of college, I think. And I, I had seen a development and I said, I want you to see it. And I drove him there. And he was really quiet, and I said, you know, I want one of these houses. And he said, well, these houses aren't for, for you. These houses are for doctors and lawyers. And I didn't even question him because my father was the smartest person on the planet as far as I was concerned. And he said these weren't for me, and he told me what kind of houses would be for me that I could afford. And I never questioned it. Hmm. Then, he, all these years later, 
you know, I would look at houses and never think like that was a house that I could have until I confronted that. And of course, I didn't right away take it back to that conversation that I had with my father. But that's where it was, you know, and and it it came to him through the way he was raised and all of that business, sure. Oh, yeah. And, but, but the pinpoint, you know, the point that mattered was when he said that to me and I never questioned it. I just accepted it as a reality. And it took a while to unravel that. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't like my father just said that and that was wrong. It also meant that I had to really confront what my father said. Like he wasn't, the, his word wasn't the ultimate truth. And mm-hmm. I had to deal with that as oh. well. Take dad down off the pedestal in order yeah, to, to, yeah. to move ahead. Yeah. You know, he was the closest thing to God I could see because, you know, everything else, everything he did was right. He was, he had an amazing career when black men didn't have such a career, you know, and, and so he had to be right about what he said. But he was not right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And Carol, it's even more insidious when somebody doesn't say it, when it's just so ingrained in the pattern of the neighborhood of, of your peer group of whoever it is is like that you would never think that somebody like me could live in a house like that and then you don't get to trace it back to dad said this and dad was wrong mm-hmm. then it becomes there's this belief system operating yeah. that people like me don't belong in places like that and it's not true one of the most powerful statements that we have as a tool is the phrase up until now Mm. because whenever we come up, come, come upon one of those things and, you know, but even if you just hear yourself saying, well, I don't belong in a place like that up until now. That, uh, yeah, I, I learned that from you also. And I use that whenever I have a doubt. Yeah. A lot of times when, when I'm talking to somebody and they're explaining their situation, I'll interrupt them and I'll say up until now. And and that makes you stop because it's like, well, up until now, it doesn't have to be that way in the future. Exactly. I can do something about this. Exactly. The hoity-toity way of saying it is that principle is not bound by precedent. Yeah. Because this is an infinitely creative principle that we're using. This is a creative law that has been creating since the beginning of time. It is not limited by what happened before. It can't be because before the infinite started creating, there was nothing. There was only infinite potential, and everything has been created out of that infinite potential and nothing else. So the principle is working to create new experiences and new structures and new interactions and new everything continuously. And to assume that the way that it used to work is the way that it's going to continue to work is our own arrogance, because we we think at our ego level that we've got it figured out. Yeah, and we're operating... Uh, from a deficit of information, but we don't know that. Right. You know, so then there's there's something else, you know, in terms of dealing with who you are and accepting that. Uh, and, and you called it ego, you know, and that's right. But it's accepting that I'm not right. I don't know it all. And maybe I could stop at this point and consider what the other information that I'm receiving. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and give it a shot. Yeah. And that's how the doubt and the pivot work together with each other. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about those. Okay, good. You can put practical prayer to work in your life, and Reverend Bill Marcioni can help. 
He is offering an online class that teaches you to create your own practical prayer in five weekly one-hour sessions. The final hour brings your practical prayer together, anchored in live original music by a notable New Thought musician. Practical prayer is based on the most effective prayers found in religions and spiritual practices all over the world. Use it to deepen ever more fully into the truth of your spiritual nature. It's the core of a transformational spiritual practice that's simple, even if it's not always easy. Reverend Bill is also available for private spiritual counseling prayer sessions. Together, you'll lean into the challenges you've experienced in life and explore the transformation that's possible through practical prayer. You'll uncover old, hidden beliefs and uproot them to make way for the life of your dreams. Everything you need to know is on the website at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and this is Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're talking about doubt. Doubt is what comes along when we don't believe what we want to experience. We don't believe that it can be ours. And it always comes down to a belief in our unworthiness. Absolutely astounding. In Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, she said that she's been working with hundreds or thousands of clients and everybody's issue essentially comes down to I don't deserve it I'm not worthy of whatever good it is that I'm claiming and the part that caught my attention there wasn't that that happens it's, it's, that Louise said it's a hundred percent it's a hundred percent whenever we're experiencing something other than that which we wish to be experienced it's because we don't believe that we're worthy of having our good that's where the doubt comes in and we can use the structure of practical prayer to remind ourselves that it's not just me here having a human experience. There's an infinite creative power that creates everything. Everything. Everyone everywhere. And that includes me. It has to include me. It cannot possibly be that everything is created as an expression of God's infinite love except me and the three feet around me. Mm -hmm. It has to be all or nothing. And since it's all, it includes me. So then being aligned and unified with that infinite creative power, I'm now making my claim for whatever new experience I want to have from the level of that infinite creative power. So it's not like I have plenty of money or I'm prosperous. It's like God and I are on the team together and God and I are prosperous. So, you know, if you're going to go to a fight, bring a really big guy with you. (laughs) (laughs) Bring some heavy artillery because as long as it's, my team is prosperous, then we have the ability to believe that even more deeply, even if my personal experience has not been one of prosperity. I know that God is infinite abundance. And since God has this infinite abundance available and I'm part of it, well, then there's every reason to believe that that is available for me as well. Yeah, it, it really takes away your argument, you know, the, the argument of doubt. Yeah. Oh, well, there's not enough money for me to pay the rent. Really? There's enough star stuff to make another galaxy how could there possibly be enough for all of that but not enough for the rent so something just popped into my head it's an argument that is always presented 
in the traditional world, traditional faith belief world. What about when I do something wrong? What about your sin? Doesn't that get in the way? And that's that's about worthy. So that that's what worthiness is. I, I'm not good enough because maybe I did this, this, and this. And it's preventing me from being able to receive. Yep. Yep. Um, and that actually is, that's, that's a real thing. It is 100% operational. It's just that there, there is not an external judgmental God to decide whether or not I've sinned and whether or not that makes me worthy of something. It is entirely an inside job. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I am free to make whatever choices I want, and I'm not being punished for my choices. I am experiencing the, the, the consequences of my choices. You know, it gets back to the fact that we have authority to create whatever experience we want in our lives. And we have the accountability that when we create something in our lives, it was us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not uh, credit and blame. It's accountability. So if I have this belief that people like me don't make a lot of money or have to live in poverty or have to struggle, the sin is in believing that that's true. The sin is in believing that I am not a fully, <laughs> a fully vetted partner of the infinite. By believing that I am somehow less than or uh, inadequate or whatever, that's the sin. And it's, I'm not being punished for that sin. I'm living the, the accountability and the consequence of that, which is I get to live a life of poverty and, and struggle. And when I change that belief, by acknowledging that you know I'm one with this infinite, abundant, creative power, and I can certainly have, that, and that power can certainly create everything that's required for me to live a life of prosperity. I get on board. I let go of the belief that's not working anymore, and that's the absolution from the sin. I don't need anybody else. This is all that's all going on inside of my consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's about understanding also free will. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's the key of it. You know, what does God want you to do? God wants you to be you. If you're happy, that's fine with God. If you're miserable, that's okay with God too. God, does not have a, uh, God doesn't have an issue with what you do with the gift. The life that you're given is a gift. You can do anything you want with it. And understanding that there are consequences, positively and negatively, of, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, things yeah. that make us feel better, things that make us feel worse. And there are likely to be other people in our families and our neighborhood that will have some judgment about what it is that we're doing with our lives. You know, thinking that uh, making a career uh, selling dime bags of pot is not as uplifting as being a surgeon. As far as society is concerned, yeah, there, there, there might be things that are better or not better. But God doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God doesn't care. Yeah, and that's and, that's. And the I part. I understand that I really really do. It's just kind of hard when you first hear it to to, to digest that. Um, that's that's the part that really takes people aback who were brought up in traditional religion. You know, God so loves you that God wants the best for you, and God wants you to do this and that and the other thing, and. That would be that would be lovely, and God is certainly making that possible. It's an infinite 
universe of infinite possibility. So everything is possible. It is possible for us to be as fabulous and as wonderful as we can imagine and better. And it's not going to change God. We're mm-hmm. not going to get God angry. We're not going to get God disappointed. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. We are it. God gave the world the one, and we are the one doing whatever it is that we're doing. He gave it. So the giving is already done. What we do with our individual slice of it doesn't change the gift. And I fully appreciate that. I think that is so amazing. But the question comes to mind, then, does God have a will? You know, we say that God doesn't care, and I think that that's a... How can you say that differently? Or is there Uh, another way to say that? When somebody's talking about God's will, it was God's will that this happened, or, you know, thy will be done. And those those, those have different nuance. The first one, this was God's will. Yeah, everything is God's will. God's will is to let anything happen. You know, infinite possibilities, anything that happens, that's part of God's will. In a more personal sense, the fact that we are here having this life means that God has an instrument here. We are here par- as, as, as representatives of the, that infinite power and presence to do this life in whatever way brings the most to it. Mm-hmm. So God's will is for us to have the freedom to do whatever it is that's going to bring love and joy and harmony and richness and goodness and delight and positivity as we understand it, into our lives. And if somebody's going to do that by feeding the, the hungry, that's awesome. And if somebody's going to do that by inventing tools and techniques and technology, that's wonderful. And if somebody's going to do that by running an organized crime gang, okay, that's what they're doing. Free choice. And God doesn't have a judgment about it, even if we are going to. And I think that is so amazing because it says that I can choose good or by my own definition, choose evil. It's my, it's my choice. Evil is just good that doesn't work the same way for everybody. Most people who are engaged in what you and I think of as evil don't get up in the morning saying, I'm going to do something evil. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they're, they're, perfectly okay with abusing people or taking stuff away from folks that doesn't belong to them. But, you know, that's also part of the infinite possibility. So they're working that piece of it, even though you and I don't agree with it. And even if our society has said, yeah, when people do that, they're going to go to the big house for a while. It's, it's all part of the, the structure that, that we've created inside of this infinitely creative universe to allow ourselves to live in what we're going to call civilization. But I want to get back to doubt because I don't want to let the episode go away without sharing the technique that we use for determining our belief system and being advised of our doubt. So what happens is we're going to do the first three steps of the practical prayer. The first step is the unification where we identify the infinite power and presence of God. And, oh, I know you like to start with step zero. That's the magical one for you which is the purpose of our prayer, which is where we basically point the, our ship of intention in the direction that we want to go. So for the, for the demonstration purposes, we'll use the prosperity one. Okay. So the purpose is the first of the month is coming up. I want to make sure there's going to be enough money to pay the rent because historically there's been a challenge. So the first thing I'm going to do, knowing that what I want to do is 
a prayer for prosperity at that level. And so I start in my unification by identifying that infinite power and the aspect of the divine, the aspect of God, which correlates that, which is abundance. This is an infinitely abundant universe. I will remind myself in the first step of the prayer, in the recognition step, that God creates galaxies. I mean, you can look through a telescope at a seemingly empty speck of space and magnify it and discover that there are thousands of galaxies, each with billions of stars in that tiny speck of empty space. This is an infinite universe that has the resource and the ability and the wherewithal to create a new galaxy. And then I'm going to identify with that. So I'm going to do my unification because that's the creative power that created everything. I know that he created me too. So I am in whatever way, part of this infinite creative process. So all of the good that's available anywhere is available everywhere. And that means it's available to me. So this infinite creative power that creates galaxies and create, can create another one. That's the one that I am aligning myself with so that I can then do my realization or affirmation step where I say that creative power has the ability to come up with galaxies. It certainly has the ability to help me come up with my rent. God and I are paying the rent easily and effortlessly. The money shows up well before the first of the month. There is simply the opportunity for this infinite abundance to unfold as prosperity for me and my landlord and everybody else who's involved in this. I am prosperous. I have plenty of money to spend, to share and to save. And normally what we would do is we would go on to the gratitude step. But what happens after I do that affirmation, once I claim the new good that I'm going to be inviting into my life, there might be a little voice in the back of my head that's going to argue with it. Yeah, but you never have enough money. Yeah, but you're overdrawn in a checking account. Yeah, but the credit cards are maxed out. And it's that little voice that starts with a yeah, but most of the time, that's the doubt. That's the doubt. I have just claimed something that's bigger than my belief system. And when I get that, yeah, but what that's telling me is that I don't believe what I just said. I don't believe what I just claimed. And that means I believe something different. Mm -hmm. So in psychotherapy, we would spend a lot of time talking through exactly what it is that I believe and where it came from and who's responsible, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't have to do that. We can't, we don't have to, because now that I know that I don't believe that I have the prosperity consciousness to bring this newness into being, I can address that head on because this little voice is just, I've, I've claimed that the infinite has plenty of resource for me to pay the rent. And my belief system just said, nah, it can't happen. So let me meet that head on. Any thought, this is the, this is the refutation, this is the first of the two R's, the refutation is any thought that this divine power, this infinitely abundant creative power doesn't have enough oomph to pay my rent is completely absurd. There is simply no truth to that whatsoever. And I can hammer away at it because this is a false belief. That's obviously not true because I'm talking about an infinite creative power and my belief system has told me it doesn't believe that it can do it. So the first thing I'm going to do is a refutation. I'm going to say the thought that the infinite can't do this is absurd. And I let it dissolve back into the, the nothingness from which it came. It's a shadow. It is an obstruction. It is something that is blocking the truth of this love unfolding and it's, it has no power of its own. So I turn away from that and I turn towards the truth. 
And then the second R is the reaffirmation. I'm going to repeat my affirmation. I am prosperous. I have plenty of money to spend and to share and to save and easily cover the rent well before the first of the month. Because what I've done is I've kicked my game up a little bit. And so one of two things will happen. Either it'll feel really good and I get to go into the gratitude step or the yeah, but shows up again. Says, eh, I don't know. It's never happened before. At which point I go through the two R's again. That's why it's a two and R-U-R two G-R. I once again do the refutation. There is no possibility that the infinite creative power can't do this. There is no requirement that because something has happened to me before, it has to happen again. There is no need for struggle or confusion or uh, anxiety. I let go of any notion that I'm controlled by past events and open myself up to the infinite goodness that is available. And then I do the... I do the affirmation, I reaffirm one more time. I have plenty of money in time for the mortgage or the rent payment and enough to spend and to share and to save. And then once I'm clear and I don't get any pushback from my belief system, I can finish the prayer. I'm grateful for all of this good and then I release it and I speak this word of intention into the creative law that creates everything and allow it to create this. So one of two things happens. Either I, I get stuck in that cycle where I keep on getting a yeah, but, and I do my refutation and my reaffirmation, I get another yeah, but, and another one, and another one, and another one. We can keep going until we clear whatever it is in consciousness. And we will not bore God. We, we're very likely to bore ourselves, but we're not going to bore God by keeping this going. What it's telling us, though, is that maybe what I'm looking for, maybe what I'm claiming, is beyond the scope of me being able to change my belief system right now. In which case, I can go back and adjust my affirmation. So instead of having plenty of money to spend to share and to save, to, to know that I am able to comfortably cover my bills as they become due. Or I take it in a different direction, um, in a way that, that is believable to me. And the other thing that I can do is I can hire a rental consciousness. Because, uh, and, and that's what we call a practitioner. There are practitioners of practical prayer who are available on a per session basis to work with a client who has to uncover whatever their belief is. Oh, you, you believe in your unworthiness. Well, you know, if I'm doing a prayer for Carol and Carol has an issue with prosperity because she's got all that baggage because there was something that her dad said or the neighbors believed or, you know, the, the, the meek shall inherit the earth or it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle or whatever it is that, that you're bringing in your baggage. I, I don't, I'm not carrying your bags. I don't have your historical belief in my awareness, so I'm a clean slate, and I can do a prayer on your behalf, and it will work as effectively as if you had worked through the issues yourself. You don't even need to be present for it. And the reason goes back to the beginning. There is one mind. There is one infinite intelligence, and we are each expressions of it. So whether Carol is believing something about Carol or I'm believing something about Carol, it's all being believed in the same infinite conscious mind. That's a lot. Yeah. But Let's take a break and come back and talk about it. <laughs> learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. 
Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni. We've been talking about doubt. That was a lot. That was a lot. I, yeah, I followed you. It was great, right? And then we got to a place where I said, this is a whole nother lesson here, because you said you don't have to be present. Uh, you mentioned that there are practitioners that will help you, available to help you through the uh, the yeah buts and digging into your belief system and to find out what's in there that's keeping you from believing uh, that all things are possible and that we are are one with God, with the abundance of God and all of that. But you said that it isn't even necessary for me, for example, if I'm the subject of the one who's not believing, it's not necessary for me to be present, but that the practitioner can pray and dismantle this on my behalf? Is that um, true? It's not possible for the practitioner to overcome whatever your belief system is. So, for example, if you were to ask for prayer for prosperity and hold steadfastly to your old belief that it couldn't possibly change, then what would happen is there might be a, a temporary shift, but it'd go back to whatever your belief system was. What happens, though, is that when you are going to engage with a practitioner, you are giving that conscious signal that you are ready to dispense with this, which means that you are open to something new and different, and that leaves some room for the prayer to work. We have fabulous technology that's available these days. You know, we can do telephone calls or Zooms or whatever it is. The guy who initially did the empirical work of healing people was a watchmaker in New England named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. And he healed, I think, 12,000 people in seven years. And some of them came and saw him in person, but the vast majority of them sent a letter asking for his help. And he did the healing in mind, and they got better. And this is a lot of physical healings, and it was a lot of stuff. I mean, medical technology in the, the mid-1800s was not nearly as advanced as it is now. There were people who couldn't walk, who could walk again. One of his patients was Mary Baker Eddy, who went on and used his same techniques to create Christian science about mental healing and being able to do a prayer practice to create something new in life. And that's, that's a different, that's a fork in the road from, from New Thought, because Mrs. Eddy thought that the book that she wrote in the Bible were the last word on this, 
and new thought is much more open at the top with the knowledge that it's going to continue to evolve and become more and more sophisticated. So the the key there from what you as you were explaining it the key seems to be that you have to open your mind to the possibility of prosperity and Correct. believe it. Yeah. And particularly whether you're present or not. So you can I can work with a practitioner forever and ever whether I'm present with her or not. And it's not going to work unless I am open to the fact that it can work. Right. And she does it in mind. Right. And it doesn't need to be a big opening. I love telling the story. I was, spent a bunch of time as a rock climber. And sometimes you climb in outdoors on a huge granite rock face. And in the middle of this granite wall, there's an oak tree growing right out of the, the, the cliff. Well, I've spent a fair amount of time gardening. And what I've noticed is that when I'm looking for a place to plant something, it's not going to be in the middle of a granite face. So why is there an oak tree growing out of the middle of this granite face? Well, what happens is there's a crack. There's a little bit of an opening in the, in, in, in the granite. And there's debris that gets in there, and then the acorn falls in there. And then the water comes in, and what happens is the oak tree takes root, and it starts to grow. And all we need is the tiniest opening that we can plant a new seed, even though from a distance it looks like a solid granite wall. It looks like El Capitan Yosemite. Yeah. A tiny little opening that we can get that seed into, and that's what's going to grow. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Let's do a prayer for guidance, uh, wisdom, and insight. Uh, for everybody who's listening to overcome their doubts. Great. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're just continuing the awareness that there is one infinite creative power that creates everything. In the beginning, there was darkness and void in God. In the beginning was the singularity before the Big Bang. So there was this infinite, dense dot of possibility. And whatever the consciousness, the intelligence started expanding it, said, let there be light, bang. Everything that exists can be traced back to the one. In the scriptural story, it is the divine sharing itself as the light, as the substance, as everything. In the story of the Big Bang, it is all of the energy and all of the matter coming together and forming itself and evolving and unfolding into everything that exists today. Regardless of which story it is, we can trace ourselves back to that one. That one infinite power and presence is sharing itself right here and right now as everything. Everywhere, everyone, including me, including each person listening right now. That love is not just available to us, it is us. That infinite intelligence is us. We are individualizing and personalizing and particularizing the infinite as everything that we are and everything that we do. So I know that love and wisdom and insight are unfolding through and as and in each person within the sound of my voice. That divine guidance about exactly what our next perfect step is, is revealed to us, as is any doubt or belief that we are not worthy of whatever it is that we're looking for. That is revealed to us in a way that we are able to use to make the pivot, to understand the invitation that we're making instead, 
and step into that new experience of life. There is nothing that limits this power. There is no shadow strong enough to overcome the light. There is no force that's in opposition to this. When we're seeing darkness, it's because the light is behind us. We get to turn and look to the light and invite the good. And I know that each one of us is doing that in a new and more powerful and more profound way. That love is unfolding. That light is shining for us and through us and in us and as us. And it is delightful. It is fun. It is uplifting. It is prosperous. It is healthy. It is vital. It brings more and more good into our lives in all of the ways that we understand that. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the awareness of this process. I'm grateful for the willingness of each one listening to engage in the process. And I'm grateful for the wonderful, happy stories that are coming that start with, you're not going to believe the oak tree that grew out of my piece of granite. I'm grateful for all of this good. And so with a feeling of gratitude, I speak this word and I release it to that creative law and know without any question whatsoever that it is saying yes. It's saying yes. And so it is. Well, I can tell you this. Every time you explain something, then I always think this is absolutely possible. Like, I'm not even doubting this anymore. Sweet. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.